with the scent of potpourri. Films we commit to memory. Crossing the felt ropes. Watching from home on my TV. Looking at all my eyes can see. They tell me I view obsessively. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at obsessiveviewer.com, and while every episode will always be free, if you'd like to support what we do here, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer for tons of bonus audio content, including TV and book reviews, immediate reaction movie reviews, Patreon potpourri episodes, movie commentary tracks, and much more. Uh, currently, I'm doing an episode-by-episode review series on Apple TV Plus's Severance Season 1 on Patreon for the $2 and above patrons, and I also have several uh, immediate reaction recordings and a whole plethora of stuff. So again, check that out at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. I'm your host, Matt Hurt, and you can find me on social media and Letterboxd at obsessiveviewer. And joining me today, of course, is Mr tiny who can be found on letterboxd at obsessive tiny tiny how are you doing this lovely evening yeah (laughs) i am doing magnificently how are you buddy nice i'm doing quite well we ran a bit long on the p on the p on the on the the b-roll episode um that we have on patreon for all patreon supporters uh how did you feel about that little uh tangential recording yeah it was good i mean good discussion yeah 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 we had a lot of discussion about uh tilapia and um <laughs> uh pumpkin crunch cake and uh gun violence gun control um and uh audio equipment um so yeah it was fun right yeah all those things go so well together oh absolutely um put a little cool whip on it uh baby you got a you got a pumpkin crunch uh crunch cake going i don't know (laughs) (laughs) anyway uh thank you for joining us today on the obsessive viewer podcast or listening to us rather uh today it's episode 376 we are going to be doing yet another double review episode we're going to be reviewing jordan peele's latest film nope which comes out in theaters uh july 22nd while you guys are listening to this now and uh and then currently streaming on amazon prime we're going to be reviewing don't make me go um so yeah we're going to get into that in a bit but uh tiny uh anything we want to talk about beforehand i feel like i had i should have had something before we got into the meat of the episode but anything movie or tv related on your mind no, I wish there was something we could bring up, but no, nothing comes to mind. Uh, you watched the trailer that they had for the Lord of the Rings, the Power of the Rings Amazon show, right? Yes, yes, yeah. I did. Yeah, how did you feel about that uh, trailer? That The show's premiering in September. Yeah, I um, had kind of mixed feelings on it. It's mm-hmm. um, The visuals looked really good, which is, uh, you know, a plus, but... Mm-hmm. um. It it just seems kind of uh, weird that there's like almost nothing about the plot yeah. in the trailer, and the fact that there's like no big name actors in it or even like B list actors in it. I mean, they just yeah. didn't, they didn't didn't get anybody for it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which I, you know that's not a requirement but it it just it's such a big property you know i would have yeah. thought it would have rolled out some red carpet for that but uh mm-hmm. yeah i i i will probably break down and watch it mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but i i'm just not really very excited for it yeah, I I'm kind of the same way. I I mean, granted, yeah, there's nothing about the story and and it's we're kind of at a bad position here because um I think this weekend is San Diego San Diego Comic-Con. So like this weekend tons of news is going to break. A bunch of like not only about Lord of the Rings, but about a bunch of stuff. I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of stuff with uh uh, Marvel Studios in particular is going to probably reveal a bunch of stuff. So it's going to be like we're just on the cusp of a big news dump of stuff. So, uh, yeah. So <laughs> uh, maybe we'll talk more about that next week. But for now, like the Lord of the Rings show does look good. I I agree. But it just doesn't really give me any... Um doesn't really make me that eager to watch it, but I will watch it, I'm sure, and I'll probably review it on Patreon. Um, yeah. Um, and also, I didn't realize, like, it's almost August, first of all. Like, that's freaking crazy. Um, but next, here in a couple of, or no, 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 next month, I think August 26th, um, House of the Dragon on HBO is going to be premiering. Uh, the uh, Game of Thrones prequel, which I think we talked about at some point. Um, yeah, has your interest been inter- piqued by that at all? Not, not really. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I wish I. Uh, I don't know. I guess I'm sounding like kind of a stick in the mud right no. now. But uh... <laughs> no, because I'm right there with you, honestly. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Again, I'm probably going to break down and watch it, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm not overly excited for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now that we've seen Nope, is there any or are there any movies that you can think of that are coming out the rest of the year that you're excited for or interested in? Um, not. Nothing jumps out. Mm-hmm. Can't really think of any sequels coming out this year other than like yeah. Avatar. Oh, but yeah. I, I I wouldn't use the word excited for that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Black Panther is supposed to come out this year. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So that that would be good. Um yeah. I'm excited for do you know anything about the movie Don't Worry Darling? No. Well, don't worry, darling, because I'm gonna explain it all to you. <laughs> uh <laughs> Olivia Wilde's new movie starring Florence Pugh and Harry Styles. Um yeah, it looks really interesting. Um, it looks yeah, I, I yeah. have seen that trailer. Yeah, okay, I forgot. yeah, kind of Stepford Wives ish, or kind of very. It gave me obviously. I'm gonna be super excited about it because of this. It gave me very much like Twilight Zone vibes. So um, definitely, definitely, definitely interested in that. Um, yeah, um, okay. yeah. So. Uh, should we go into our episode tonight? Yes, sir. All right, awesome. Well, like I said, we're going to be reviewing Nope and Don't Make Me Go, uh, two movies that are currently um out in the world. So Nope is in theaters, uh, and Don't Make Me Go is available on Amazon Prime. 
Now, as usual, we are going to be doing a non-spoiler and spoiler review for each movie, so check the show notes for timestamps and everything. The show notes are available in your podcast app, whatever you're using to listen to this. If you're, for whatever reason, not able to see them or anything, just go to obsessiveviewer.com slash OV376, and they're all right there. Um, But without further ado, let's go into our reviews. So first up, we are going to talk about the kind of um the kind of bigger um to be to be frank the bigger release um this is nope it is jordan peele's latest film it's his third feature after i think it was 2017's um get out and then 2019 uh his uh movie us um, and then in since then, or in the interim throughout his directorial career, he's produced several things. He produced the uh, Candyman reboot from last year or the year before. Um, and he, of course, produced the uh, Twilight Zone revival that ran for two seasons on CBS All Access. Shameless plug for Anthology. Check that out. I reviewed every episode in bonus episodes on Anthology. So... Um, well, yeah, let's get into our review of Nope. Um, like I said, this is going to be a non-spoiler review. We'll do spoilers later. I'll play a clip from the trailer to, to separate it, but Nope. Um, yeah, let's go into it. I'm in like a weird, like, uh, like kind of, um, loop. (laughs) (laughs) So it's because the notes that I have are different than the notes I usually have, which are basically no notes. So (laughs) I'm like trying to transition. Uh, okay. So, Nope is the latest film from Jordan Peele. Uh, The premise, uh, the plot summary, courtesy of IMDb, is the residents of a lonely gulch in inland California bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery. Uh, This film was directed by Jordan Peele, written by Jordan Peele, and stars Daniel Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer, Brandon Perea, uh, Michael Wincott and Stephen Yun. Uh, it is currently in theaters. It premiered on July 22nd. Um, and yeah, uh, so Tiny, let's talk a little bit about Jordan Peele and his kind of directorial work uh, previous to Nope. How did you feel about Get Out and Us? And uh, what were your expectations going into Nope? Um, I think... Get Out was on my top 10 that year. I'm pretty sure it was. Nice. Um, Us was maybe an honorable mention. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hold both of his other movies in high regard. I think they're really, really original. And um, he's really good at uh, infusing subtext and um, themes into his movies, underlying themes into his movies. Um, I don't think he... I don't think he dumbs things down or placates things for his audience, which I really respect as, as a filmmaker. So Mm -hmm. um, all, all those things combined, I had relatively high expectations for Nope. Um, I also feel like he's kind of, kind of established himself at this point. Like he's had two very, he had had very, very successful movies. Mm -hmm. Um, His first movie, he won an Oscar. I mean, the guy, just skyrocketed to success. And so, you know, this is, he should be getting into a good rhythm by now. And so, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, had, I have high expectations for, for Nope. So, um, and plus it had just based on the trailers, you know, 
a sci-fi alien theme to it. And I was like, Oh, that's going to be the shit right there. So, (laughs) um, so yeah, that's, uh, so yeah, really high expectations, um, going into it. And, uh, I, I really like him as a, as a filmmaker, you know, Mm -hmm. I actually, I, I still think maybe my favorite stuff from him is just his sketches from key and peel. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) like the substitute teacher, Mm -hmm. it like, that's just one of the funniest things ever. And I love, adore that. And, um, not to take anything away from get out and, mm-hmm. us, but, um, uh, he's, he's just a wildly talented guy. He's really funny, really smart. And mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, you know, he, he's one of those people where it's an event when one of his movies come out. So, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, my uh, kind of similar sentiments, um, I basically have pretty similar sentiments to you. Uh, basically, I I loved Get Out. I adore Get Out, honestly. And um, Us, I feel, was not as not as strong as a sophomore effort as I expected. But I still enjoyed the heck out of Us, and I thought that it was a lot of uh, th- there was a lot of very interesting stuff um, in Us. But it was just not as uh, not quite as good as Get Out. Um, but Regardless, I was extraordinarily excited for Nope and um, just just very much I was looking forward to it and so delighted that we got to see it. And um, uh, before we get into our actual review, um, so uh, unfortunately, Ben could not join us tonight um for our review because actually his his wife's birthday is today. <laughs> so uh, we could not in good conscience, uh, force him to record with us. Uh, but he was also at the screening we went to last night and wrote a review of it. And I kind of figured, I kind of thought like, okay, I'm going to kind of compile a couple of, couple of clips or not clips, but a couple of, uh, excerpts from reviews. And so to kind of, before we get into our our review, I'm going to kind of read a couple of excerpts and everything. So first of all, I did record a 24 minute, uh, immediate reaction recording, uh, for Patreon at the $2 and above tiers. So go to patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. If you want to listen to that, I also wrote a review on obsessiveviewer.com, and I'll, I'll share a, a section of that at the end of this little segment, but I do want to mention that, uh, Ben wrote a review and then a couple friends of the show, uh, Andy Carr, uh, he wrote a review on filmyapp.substack.com and, uh, our other friend of the show, Mitch Ringenberg wrote a, uh, blurb on Letterboxd. So, um, I'm going to kind of read a couple of excerpts and then we can, uh, go into our review. So, uh, Ben's review on the moviestate.com, uh, he rated it, uh, he graded it as B, Um, And he said uh, that Nope is, quote, a sci-fi horror blend that manages to have a lot on its mind, but never manages to bring it all together cohesively. Um, He then also said, quote, despite its extended runtime, the film is rarely boring and contains Peel's signature ability to hide its message in plain sight. It's just that the payoff to its extended buildup isn't as instantly satisfying as audiences, myself included, will likely hope for, end quote. Again, that's at moviestate.com. There's a link in the show notes. And then friend of the show, Andy Carr, he rated it three and a half stars. And again, at filmyapp.substack.com, he wrote, un- he wrote, quote, unfortunately, I think this one may be Jordan Peele's weakest. 
Uh, it's a pretty conventional creature feature with, I guess, a little bit to say about the pursuit of spectacle and the ignorance of man toward animal nature. I say I guess because the thematic elements occupy only a small portion of the film's creative energies, uh, most of which are directed toward creating a cut-and-dry, although admittedly very pretty, thriller about an extraterrestrial visitor wreaking havoc on a desert ranch. Ah, okay. I did not realize this would be so much reading on my part. <laughs> so, uh, to round out the section, Mitch Ringenberg, uh, he wrote on Letterboxd at uh, Wounded underscore Kite. Uh, he rated three and a half stars and said, quote, having gotten the biggest budget of his entire career, it makes sense that Jordan Peele would choose to emulate the greatest blockbuster of all time, Jaws. And because Peele is better than almost any American genre filmmaker working today, that ambition feels admirable as opposed to foolish. So perhaps it's only a mild disappointment that while Nope obviously doesn't reach the heights of Spielberg's masterpiece, it doesn't quite manage to match the thrills of Peele's first two movies I either um so check that out on letterboxd link in the show notes and so tiny before we get in to our official review i'm gonna read a uh an excerpt from this one jackasses review on obsessiveviewer.com i rated it four stars and i said quote as he did with Get Out and Us, Nope further proves when we watch a Jordan Peele film, we are in the hands of one hell of, an, of a unique genre storyteller. Although Peele's best work is still his debut, Nope demonstrates considerable growth in his talent behind the camera in terms of scale and overall design. Nope is a spectacle we won't soon forget. So, Tiny, having... <laughs> done that long-winded segment here uh let's go into our review of nope and let's begin with your uh with your thoughts on the film i am definitely positive on the movie it was a hell of a time um i ended up giving it three and a half stars um i also agree uh with one of the other reviews you mentioned that i think this is his weakest film mm-hmm. um but that's not really saying a lot because uh, us and Get Out were both so damn good. You know, those are four and a half, five star movies, mm-hmm. uh, at least for me. So, um, yeah, I, this this movie, he employed a lot of his uh, skills, uh, meaning Jordan Peele, um, that he's so good at. You know, he, there's some awesome tension in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is the first time maybe that he's had like really good... I don't want to say the first time he's had really good visuals, but uh, mm. there's definitely a huge visual cinematographer cinematography aspect to this movie. Yeah. Um, whereas Get Out and Us didn't necessarily have that, or at least it was a different style. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he he nailed that part. He hit that out of the park. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, of course, really fun characters. Um, there isn't as much comedy in this, I think, as his other movies. Um, interesting yeah i at least least not for me i feel like there mm. were so many good laughs in us especially early on in the first act yeah um and and there were definitely some really great lines in this for sure but Mm. maybe i need maybe i need to see it again and see the Mm. other ones again maybe that's not a fair comparison but um I, I I guess I wanted maybe just a tad more comic relief or maybe just better comic relief. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like some of it fell a little flat. Um, and and ultimately, I I agree with what Ben said about the payoff. I think it was 
building towards something and didn't quite pay off to it. You know, it was, it was still really, um, it's a really original idea, uh, which I give him a heap of credit for. Um, but it, it, I don't know, I guess I wanted more of a traditional payoff for it and, Mm -hmm. uh, or just something a little deeper, I guess. Um, but you know, he, he, hit so many of his marks and, and made a really, a really good movie that, you know, it's, it's funny to think, I, I bet there's a lot of people who are going to come out and be like, yeah, it kind of sucked, but like it really didn't. It's just that Jordan Peele has made such damn good movies that a kind of middle of the road movie for him is actually pretty damn good. Yeah. And that, that's interesting because I, I loved this movie. I thought it was fantastic. So I'm not really, what's it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not really in the, in the camp of it being, his his i guess least best movie because <laughs> he has such a <laughs> such a i mean he's three for three in my book for for his filmography yeah. mine mine too yeah um but i don't think I, I think that there is there's a certain level of um to not not to disagree too hard with with Ben's review, but there is a certain level of cohesion to the story, in my opinion, that really is is pretty satisfying to me because it tells this pretty intricate not maybe not intricate may, intricate is definitely not the right word, but it, it tells this multifaceted story about kind of this allegory for fame chasing and and kind of filmmaking, but not not really. It's more of an entertainer um, kind of uh, depiction. Um, what I really appreciated about it is that it is a story about people reacting to a a very crazy and uh, uh, unique situation that is of extraterrestrial origin. And what I found really compelling about the movie is the way that each kind of section of person um, reacted to it. Like there's this interesting contrast that the movie presents that the, the horse trainers, uh, uh, Daniel Kaluuya Kaluuya and uh, Kiki Palmer, their, their kind of position is we're going to, we're going to document this. We're going to make this, like known and we're going to make a crap ton of money on it. Like we're going to be famous and everything. We're going to have irrefutable proof of alien life and everything. Whereas we have, uh, Steven Young's character at the like carnival thing. Um, Jupiter's, Oh my God, I can't remember <laughs> Jupiter's claim. Um, where his whole thing is like, I'm going to exploit this. I'm going to use this for entertainment. And it doesn't matter. Like the, it is. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what like the danger is. I'm just going to use this for my own personal gain, and I just find that to be really interesting, as kind of this uh, connection between them and the different ways that they that they react to it. So I don't know. I just found that to be pretty interesting. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, as someone like I know that you are pretty particular about aliens and extraterrestrial stories and everything. Uh, how did you feel about the depiction of the, the event in this movie um, in comparison to other movies? Like I know that um, 
Peel has said that like Signs and Close Encounters of the Third Kind and he name dropped a couple other movies uh, were all obviously big inspirations for this movie. So how did you feel about the actual supernatural or otherworldly presence in the movie? Uh, I think it was really awesome. Uh, very, very original. Um, mm-hmm. Without spoiling it, very original uh, idea on his part. Um, I, it's funny because I was so. Typically, aliens are scary to me. I mean, mm-hmm. reference R was like our tenth episode yeah. nine years ago, where we talked about what scares us what for scares Halloween. Yeah, um, aliens for me, it's it's scary. Mm-hmm. Like ET shit out of me when I was a kid. Um, but this this was it had it had a, a horror element to it for sure, especially mm-hmm. um uh I was gonna say early on, but it's actually throughout the whole movie. But um it was it was coupled with a lot of curiosity. Mm-hmm. And I think the context of the uh Haywood Hollywood's horse training um the horse trainers wanting to kind of flip it into a financial opportunity mm-hmm. really took away some of how I would normally react to it. Okay. Um, which is kind of, which is a pretty refreshing way to do it. Like that's, you know, nice. I, I think maybe horror or thriller or whatever you want to call it is a uh, easy step to make in that, in the, you know, alien subgenre. Um, and he kind of chose to go a different route. So I really mm-hmm. respect it. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the design and the whole cat and mouse kind of nature of it and, you know, was just really, really well done. I mean, it was, it was very cool and very original. Yeah. Yeah. And I really liked the build up to it. Like I didn't, I didn't have the qualms that, that Ben and other critics have had about it being, uh, a lot of build up, build up with no real, with, without, without a strong enough payoff. Um, I do see how those criticisms, like, I, I don't think that those criticisms are unwarranted by any stretch because I can see how that's not really well resolved at the end of the movie, which we can talk about more in spoilers. But I do feel like there is this greater narrative at play that um, I kind of hinted at this in my review, but I didn't know exactly how to parse it out into more detail. But there's something to the movie about how how uh the Haywoods are the only the only black owned horse trainers working in Hollywood and during uh Kiki Palmer's uh monologue uh at the at the early part of the movie it's what opened the trailer the first teaser trailer uh she talks about how the first the first assemblage of pictures to form a moving moving image a film is of a black man riding a horse for like two seconds and that that man in in that in that film in that scene is their great 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 grandfather and what she goes on to say in that scene is that history does not remember him history does not like like people people who created film in the film industry are remembered but that man is not remembered even though he is the f- world's first movie star uh stunt stunt uh stunt man and hor- and and animal wrangler and everything um he's not remembered and there's something to that that I can't quite 
I can't quite articulate, but there's something to that in terms of the contrast between uh, their reaction and the other characters' reactions to the presence in, in the sky. Um, I think that it, it's this level of um, I I don't know. It's I don't know how to articulate it. Did did that stand out to you in any way? <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and especially when uh, Kiki Palmer, her character, gives that speech, basically, mm-hmm. uh, in the first act of the movie, I thought that was really powerful and moving. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it does influence the characters in a way for the rest of the movie, but it Mm -hmm. does seem a little dropped as well. Um, Like I almost want to see that explored more because that's such Mm -hmm. a cool story. It's so unknown. Um, uh, You know, I, I I remember, or I I had heard that before I had Mm -hmm. seen the first, you know, the first actual moving image. Um, I had seen it before. Um, But I guess I just never thought about, you know, Mm -hmm. the implications of the fact that it's a black man, you know, that's, that's really fascinating. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of wanted to see that explored a little more, I guess. I'm not sure how that would have really fit into the context of the movie any further than it did. Um, yeah, but it was definitely interesting. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I think that it is there to kind of, um, set in motion the kind of the subtext of the movie that, and, and that's where I'm kind of struggling with, with, uh, um, yeah, that's why I'm kind of struggling with, with how, uh, how that works, works. In it. <laughs> um, because it kind of feels like there's a bigger statement there because we have, like I said, the kind of, um, there's kind of a uh there's oh god what's the word i'm looking for there's there's kind of this overarching kind of idea that in the grand scheme of things there the the horse ranch is is failing it's 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 not doing well they don't know how to run it they're out of their element their father suddenly passed away like six months before and they are they're both kind of passionless for it. And I think that there's something there as like this, as a little bit of social commentary to the, the way that, that minorities are treated in the industry. Maybe I don't know if it's that direct of a thing, but like this idea that these, that these characters are descended from like someone of, of someone that is, of a certain import to the history of filmmaking and they're working in the industry. Um, Kiki Palmer's character can't really break into it. She's, she's focused on that, but she doesn't really care about the horse training or anything, but she's trying to get like, she's promoting herself in, (laughs) in that scene. And then Daniel Kaluuya's character, which we can talk about his performance because that was a little perplexing to me, but, um, he just he seems so just monotone and uninterested in anything that's going on and i feel like that has to be by design like i kind of feel like that is indicative of like they are they feel like they are low rung on the totem pole in the industry like that scene where they're on set and the horse is there and 
uh, Daniel Kaluuya's character is trying to explain, like, hey, you know, don't stand behind the horse. Don't don't make any loud noises. Turn your like like, you know, don't do this. And they're just kind of ignoring him. I don't know. I feel like there's something there that I can't quite articulate, but I think that it it's something that is fed through the entire movie. And whereas with um Stephen Young's character, Jupe, um, he is a character who had um had a career as a child star that ended with tragedy on a sitcom. And I think that there's something there to his his push for fame or push for spectacle i i don't know i am i making any sense whatsoever i ask as you are yawning <laughs> <laughs> i'm not yawning at you i mean no no no, no i know i got last night you know mm. no i think you're on to something i think there might be some themes there that's you know jordan peele has the ability to um uh, blend a lot of different themes together. And mm-hmm. I will be fully honest. I don't pick up on a lot of them. Uh, mm-hmm. when, you know, when I watched get out and us, I didn't necessarily pick up on everything that I think he wanted us to. Um, and I think maybe you're, you're pulling on one of those threads with that. Um, but yeah, I, th- again, I think it's, um, whether he's commenting on the entertainment industry in general or race related to the mm-hmm. uh, entertainment industry and the treatment of stars, I think the incorporation of the story about Haywood is a little, could have been expanded more, I guess, or mm-hmm. um, maybe just a little bit deeper uh, on that thread. Um, but yeah, it's, Definitely interesting. And, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned, um, uh, not to fully change gears, but to, mm. uh, to Daniel Kaluuya's performance yeah. was just kind of an interesting choice. Like, mm. I don't know that that was the best choice for that character. I mean, no, I know me neither. It, it definitely not a bad performance mm. on his part or bad writing. Um, I, I almost wonder if, um, Jordan P was kind of like trying to buck the trend of the strong silent type kind of thing. Um, which would have been better to just have him be like a, like a loud pussy basically, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. As opposed to a, just kind of a little bit Mm antisocial, socially awkward, um, not particularly confident kind of character, very soft spoken. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure why he chose that or why Daniel Kaluuya chose that. I, I it was yeah. sort of, I just don't know if it was the best choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so, it's so pervasive throughout the whole movie. Like it's so consistently monotone that it almost, it almost has to be like an intentional choice by, by, um by Peel to direct him in that way. Like I, and I can't, I can't under I don't understand what the point of that was because like Daniel Kaluuya is a phenomenal actor <laughs> like he's yeah. he's got a, a hell of a lot of range and I kind of feel like his his talent that I know that he has from several roles throughout his career kind of feels like it is almost wasted in this movie because of that just very kind of dry monotone kind of performance and 
I I don't get it. I I just don't. That's one. That's one element of the movie that just really did not, uh, did not connect with me uh, or make sense to me. Yeah, I agree. I th- I think it kind of um, it did allow his character to analyze the situation mm-hmm. in a very rational way. Like we'll talk about it more in spoilers, but he really yeah. he just kind of picks up on things well and is able to approach their goals Mm -hmm. very calmly and with a lot of logic and reason and stuff like that. And maybe Mm -hmm. his personality lends itself to that, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I think you can still have that without him being, you can still have that with him giving a different performance and being a different kind of character. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. We can talk about it a little more in spoilers. So yeah, like there's a point kind of toward the end of the movie. This isn't a spoiler by any stretch, but and it's even in the in the final trailer that came out before the movie's release. Like there's a point where I I can't remember the context, but I like it. It was hilarious. It was fantastic because um, he and M played by Kiki Palmer, like are, they get excited about something. So they start, they start like, like, uh, 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 wow. What is the word I'm looking for? Slapping each other's hands, like very excitedly. And I'm like, that's like the energy, the energy that he's giving to that scene is like, is incredible. And it's not anywhere else mm. in the movie. Um, yeah. So that was kind of peculiar, but Kiki Palmer was magnificent in this movie i thought mm-hmm. like maybe that's the point that her energy her and i think that ben mentioned this uh in his review but like her energy her just like the the presence that she brings to the role that kind of aspirational but also very um kind of kind of outgoing person personality was a really good kind of uh contrast to Daniel Kaluuya's kind of, you know, quietness and subdued uh characterization. And then you throw in Angel, the the Fry's Electronics guy, <laughs> uh <laughs> who I think was a lot of fun. I thought he was fantastic. Um played by um ooh, God, where is it? Um <laughs> played by Brandon David Perea. Brandon Perea. Yeah. And uh, I thought he was great as this kind of foil for not maybe not foil, but this kind of comic relief character for everything like his his introductory scene when he shows up on the ranch, not his introductory scene, but when he shows up at the ranch to install the stuff, um, he just like mentions just offhandedly. And this does not come back into play at all in the movie. But he's like, yeah, my girlfriend of four years just left me. She was like a model here's pictures of her and stuff like okay (laughs) like all right like i get that he's like he's listless he's directionless and everything and that's why he's kind of latching on to this project and everything but it was just like so offhanded and and just a lot of fun i think that those three characters working together were really really fun uh together Definitely agree. Yeah, I I had seen. I think I've only seen Kiki Palmer in the movie Hustlers. I was looking through her. Oh yeah, um, through her uh, filmography, and mm-hmm. that's the only other thing I've seen her in. Oh wow, um, yeah. She's she's done a lot of stuff, a lot of voice acting. Um, oh, I think maybe is she is she a comedian as well? Uh, I really don't know anything about her. That is a good question. I don't think so. She okay, because I thought I saw like. 
like comedy specials on her from filmography, but oh, either maybe. way, either way I had like no familiarity with her. I don't mm-hmm. remember her from hustlers. So, um, yeah. she, yeah, I agree. She was, she was terrific. You know, mm-hmm. she was, um, she was very rambunctious and energetic, but not to an annoying level. Right. Um, I think she, she's like a focused energetic person, you know, an ADHD mm-hmm. person who's, who's focused, I guess is, uh, maybe not, not the best analogy, but, right. um, and, and yeah, I think, uh, um, her pairing with, um, Brandon Pareto was great. Perfect. Mm-hmm. I think he, he was, um, he was kind of like the funny stoner. Yeah. Um, but he actually has some ideas to contribute to the to the plot. He's not just there to crack jokes. Like he he does that, but he's actually like integral to the plot to an extent. Um, right. I, I enjoyed him a lot too. He was he was a good comic relief. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think that um, I think what what you were saying were maybe music videos. Maybe she's a singer as well. Maybe that might be uh, what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um. Yeah, although music was still her passion, uh, first break, break, big break came via her acting skills. Uh, so yeah, anyway, um, yeah, I just think that those those characters working together were a lot of fun. Um, let's talk about Jupiter's claim, that whole section, and we can talk briefly or broadly about the um, about Stephen Young's character's backstory and how it kind of plays into the to the plot. Um, and then we can go into more detail and spoilers, but how did you feel about that section and how they reacted to, or how he reacted to what was going on and, uh, kind of the overall vibe of that place? Yeah, I think that was one of the best, um, kind of realizations of the themes that Jordan Peele was going through, Mm -hmm. going for, uh, in the movie, um, as far as, you know, uh, the entertainment industry and, and what they're willing to what they're willing to do, how, how, you know, it's sort of, um, it's sort of a business packaged as art mm-hmm. as opposed to art that's infused with business, you know, I mean, it doesn't have to be that way, but a lot of the times I think that's what happens. And, you know, a place like Jupiter's claim is it's a business that mm-hmm. just, you know, they'll do whatever they can to make money. It's, yeah. it's a, it's a business more than anything mm-hmm. as opposed to art. So I, I thought that was pretty, uh, a, a really nice touch to the movie. Um, I loved the super touristy cheesiness of it. Yeah. You know, that was all really great. This dude is just continuing to ride his 15 minutes of fame mm-hmm. and just morph it into a business. You know, that's, that was just really well done. And I liked all that. Um, yeah. and, uh, Stephen, Stephen Yun as, you know, in that role is great. I, Oh yeah. I haven't seen him a lot. Um, since, uh, since, uh, the walking dead. Yeah. Um, he's great though. And he's a really good actor. So I, I liked seeing him in this. Um, but the whole, the whole backstory thing with his child acting career on the sitcom involving that, that, uh, tragedy was some amazing filmmaking. Like that was one of my favorite yeah. parts of the movie just because it's, so original and the actual Mm -hmm. like filming of it and depiction of it is so well done. Mm -hmm. Just uh, some amazing camera work and set work and acting. Um, I really enjoyed that stuff. I think it's position or it's context in the movie is a little, a little hammy or a little um, Mm. clunky maybe. Um, 
a, a little, but um, ultimately, like I, I could see a whole damn movie just about that. Oh I yeah, mean, it, it was that was just really clever on Jordan Peele's part. Clever writing. Yeah, I I agree. I. I feel like I am maybe not maybe not in the minority here, but I feel like there has been a lot of discussion um, in the like in the twenty five hours since we saw the movie. Um, but there's been like the reaction that I've read and seen and heard and talked about um, has been that that is kind of the outlier of the movie. That's kind of the that's the ill-fitting piece of of the movie, and I, I disagree with that assertion. Um, I feel like it fits pretty well in the greater context of the movie. It, I do agree, it is placed slightly weirdly. Like the the context of the backstory is placed placed a little weirdly, but I do think it's a situation where it's bringing us into the final act of the movie. And I don't think I like that's kind of resolving some, some plot threads and, and some, some questions from earlier in the movie and then bringing us into the kind of the final act of the movie. And I don't, I don't think that that's a bad thing at all. Like I, I think that that's written particularly well. Um, and I didn't really have a problem with it, <laughs> but we'll talk in more detail and spoilers, but, um, yeah, for sure. But yeah, I thought, I thought it was, I thought it was really, really well conceived and executed. Um, like you said, it's, it's, it is the most outwardly chilling part of the movie for me. Yeah. I'm, I'll commit to that. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely something it's, it's really cool. Um, yeah. Uh, Before we get into spoilers and everything, how did you feel about the kind of overall tone of the movie, the way that the, the alien phenomenon was depicted and uh, the visual effects of the movie as well. The visual effects were top notch. Um, the alien entity, if it, we'll call it that, um, mm-hmm. felt very real. It was very, there's a ton of texture to it. Um, mm-hmm. Despite the fact that it's a bit nondescript, Mm-hmm. but it just, it felt like really natural. Like it actually fit into that landscape and like yeah. it was act- actually there. Now I never had any delusions that it wasn't CGI. Oh, right. Um, it's, it, it was CGI, but again, it just blended so well. And I think mm-hmm. they even, they even made it difficult on themselves because they, ha- they filmed it in a very arid, dry environment where yeah. that entity, the, ship if you will is going Mm -hmm. to be um kicking up a crap ton of dust (laughs) yes so like incorporating cgi into that natural Mm -hmm. element that's that's a challenge and they were like fuck it let's do it like that was really (laughs) that was kind of a brave choice really Mm -hmm. um but it all it all felt seamless it it felt it felt really seamless um and i think earlier i mentioned the cinematography Mm -hmm. um that valley was just gorgeous oh Um, absolutely and and there's um some night night scenes that are just incredibly beautiful. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, I wasn't really expecting that, but I was just sitting back and kind of watching it like, God damn, this is just gorgeous right now. It's like a painting. Oh, absolutely. And I'm, I'm curious if you picked up on this. Um, (laughs) so I don't remember if there was, if there was a shining reference directly in get out, but I remember in us, there is a, there is a brief shot of two characters that are twins that are positioned in 
the way that the twins, the Grady twins from The Shining are positioned. Very much an homage to The Shining. Um, did you catch, and did we talk about, or did you listen to my immediate reaction recording? But uh, did you catch The Shining kind of homage in this in this movie? Hmm, no, I didn't. Okay. And I and I'm not I, I it almost has to be intentional. Like it it's got it. Like I'm I'm not crazy. But <laughs> toward <laughs> the end of the movie there are a lot of big big sprawling shots from like from the sky pointed to the ground. <laughs> and mm-hmm. the position of the camera, the layout of the valley the way that the that the dirt path is is being being uh traversed is a dead ringer for the opening of the shining for like for like 2 mm. seconds like and then it cuts to a different angle or something and i'm like that that has to be just his his shining homage there um it's like it is so brief and it is so in the grand scheme of things it's so inconse- inconsequential but it has to be a reference uh to the shining and i was just like that that's awesome i i love that even if it's not intentional i'm like my brain is going to make it intentional um yeah the the camera's kind of like tilted is that right uh yes 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 or, yes okay. yeah okay. yeah I, I do remember that from the movie and i remember from the shining yeah it's like it's kind of off center from like like the 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 object that we're following uh in the on the ground is off center like at this like pretty much like the same degrees that the that the uh that the was it a VW bug um mm-hmm. was off center like the camera position when they're when they're, just in the opening of the shining where they're driving to the overlook um okay yeah so i don't know but i just i thought that was cool um <laughs> yeah um any other thoughts before we go into spoilers for nope i don't think so i think i think i'm good to go okay nice yeah i do want to share one thing that i i haven't read the full article yet but um i saw this headline i thought this is pretty cool uh or pretty interesting uh uh from variety the headline is jordan peele shuts down fan who called him the best director of all time uh, he said, I won't tolerate John Carpenter slander. <laughs> <I was laughs> That's like, awesome. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. Um, and like to go on, I'm just going to kind of read from the article and then I'll, I'll throw us into um, uh, throw us into spoilers. But um, oh, yeah. Was this on Twitter? Um, so, yeah, let me see. If I can find it. Um, so, yeah. So, it was... It... Oh, okay. Adam Ellis said... Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, he said, I know this is a hot take, but at what point do we declare Jordan Peele the best horror director of all time? Can you think of another horror director that had three ga- three great films, let alone three in a row? I can't. Uh, and Jordan Peele replied with, um, <laughs> Sir, please put the phone down. I beg you. <laughs> um and then he followed that up with uh sorry i love your enthusiasm but i will just not tolerate any john carpenter slander uh and then he (laughs) he had the gif that is often uh like this one that's often confused for um i don't remember i don't know what this is from but it's it's his face morphed onto 
<laughs> yeah, that's great. That's yeah, awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so that's great. Yeah, uh, I don't know what that original gif is from. I don't know either. It's often confused for Zach Galifianakis, I think. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, but I don't know. Maybe Harry and the Hendersons? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so I thought that was pretty funny. Um, do you want to go into spoilers for Nope? Yes, sir. All right. So once again, I rated it four stars, wrote a review on uh, on obsessiveviewer.com, and there's a Patreon-exclusive immediate reaction recording for $2 and above patrons at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Tiny, you rated it three and a half stars on Letterboxd? Yep. All right. Nice. Well, we are going to go into detail, fi- the finer details of Nope in our spoiler section. I'm going to play a clip from the trailer, and then when we come back, we're going to be spoiling Nope, if you want to skip ahead to our review of Don't Make Me Go, check the show notes for timestamps. But here we go with the trailer for Nope. What's a bad miracle? They got work for that. Yeah, nah, nah, nah. Yeah! All right, so spoilers on for Nope. Um, I have a few notes here. We did not talk about the director or the cinematographer character, uh, Holst at all, played by Michael Wincott. Um, do you want to talk about him, and then we can go into the other aspects of the spoilers? Yeah, he was an interesting addition to the cast. Um, You know, I think it's um, his character is, I guess, extra poignant because of he has like the most gruff voice Mm -hmm. imaginable, uh, deepest, gruffest voice you can possibly imagine. And he sort of is that kind of strong, silent type. So Mm -hmm. um, to have him thrown in with this this kind of uh ragtag group of folks uh trying to do some wacky shit is is funny a little bit of fish out of watery i mm-hmm. guess uh, or just kind of a, a you know funny juxtaposition of him with the other characters uh he was really funny he did a great job too i yeah i appreciated what he did but uh yeah that was that was an interesting aspect of the movie for sure yeah and I'm I'm kind of wrestling with it a little bit. I thought he did a phenomenal job in terms of performance and everything. I'm kind of struggling with the I'm I'm not even really the purpose behind it cuz I cuz I I understand his character arc. I think that he is a little too underdeveloped for the conclusion of his story. <laughs> so <laughs> Basically, he is directing the commercial that they are working on at the beginning of the movie. And then when all the UFO stuff is happening, uh, M calls him and like is like, hey, we don't have any money, uh, but we have the chance of a lifetime to, to shoot something. Uh, and you're known for being able to get the impossible shot. So we're going to, like, if you want, you can come and we can get the most impossible shot. And then he's like, well, what kind? And then... She says, like, uh, like it's the shot of your dreams or whatever. And then he says something super cryptic, and he's like, that's the dream I never wake up from, or something like that. So, like, that's the one scene we get um, 
and then later he shows up because he notices the the cloud um and everything and i feel like i feel like that necessarily wasn't enough of enough of a of um a signal to his it's not a sacrifice to his to his kind of crazed like trying to get that impossible shot thing knowing that he's going to he's dooming himself to die um i don't feel like i feel like the purpose behind that was that he want like he's he's another character who is looking for that that you know that acclaim he's looking for uh the spectacle like this movie is all about spectacle and how people approach it in different ways and he is one that is going to co- going to die for for the spectacle so that he can be remembered and everything whereas like jupe uh, jupiter's claim is willing to just sacrifice horse after horse he's putting these people in danger just to show show like show off this thing that he doesn't understand and cannot control and then you have the Haywoods, who their their bread and butter, their job is to uh, tame horses and have them be on film and filmable. And so I don't know. It just I I kind of feel like if the intention was to have Holst be this character who is who has his entire life dreamed of finding that perfect shot and doing this like 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 getting the impossible shot that no one else can get i kind of feel like there should have been a little bit more build up to when he dies trying to get that shot um how did you feel about about that yeah i think i think you're right i think it was a bit of a little unearned um but i do i do like the whole kind of blaze of gore blaze of glory thing that he he does at the end um Mm -hmm. that was that was a cool scene, but um, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I think trying to expand his character more would have gotten messy mm-hmm. um, and would have just added scenes to the movie. I think, I think it's kind of, kind of makes sense that he sort of shows up kind of in the third act mm-hmm. uh, for the most part and really, you know, gets, gets rounded out in that, that act. So I think he's just a difficult character to develop mm-hmm. in the, in the context of the movie. Um, yeah. So I don't think, I, I don't think you're wrong. I don't disagree with you. I just, I just mm-hmm. think it's um, a little messy trying to work him in, I guess. Yeah. And you know, the way that you say that about, about it makes sense for him to show up at the end like that, that is true because other people show up like the TMZ guy shows up and, um, at the end of the movie, when like at the very like when she's getting the shots, like the news rolls up and everything. So like, it does make sense that he's drawn to it or that he finds something to come come to it and everything. Same as same as um uh Angel uh Brandon Peria, um. So th- it does make sense. It does. It is a certain level of uh cohesiveness to that. I just feel like there should have been at least for that one character a little bit more development for me. But I agree that that could have been a little messy. Um yeah. Um do we want to talk about Jupiter's claim <laughs> and yeah, all sure. of that as well as like okay, let's let's first talk about the flashback. The the chimp rampage thing on the set of Gordy's home, I think it was called. Um 
I thought it was spectacular. Like we talked about it in non-spoiler, but that sequence, that flashback sequence was just incredible. Like so creepy and scary. Um and unnerving. Yeah. How did you feel in more in more specifics about that? I I agree. I think it was um you said it was probably the most chilling part of the movie and I I agree with you. Um there's one other scene I'll talk about later but mm-hmm. um yeah, the and I just loved everything about that. The camera work especially was mm-hmm. so damn good in that scene. Um it was so immersive. It felt like you were you know uh like a conscientious observer mm-hmm. uh during that event. It was so wild um and just the um i think the the cgi on the chimp was great uh yes i just yeah just really good especially from a um uh what what jumped out to me is that it's a scene of absolute carnage like that you can you can see blood Mm -hmm. sopping on his clothing that he's wearing it's all over his hands it's on his face Mm -hmm. Um, but the chimp has this very kind of calm demeanor about mm-hmm. him. Like he didn't just murder some people. Yeah. Um, cause it's just, it's just a natural thing for him. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it's just that chimp being that, you know, in, in nature. Um, yeah. uh, or it's an instinctual thing, I guess mm-hmm. is a better way to put it. But, uh, yeah, I, that, that all just jumped out to me as just incredible filmmaking. Yes. And, and I love, I love the way that, we don't like the like the the first shots of the movie like the opening scene of the movie is like voiceover of of the filming of the scene of of that episode um of that sitcom like there's ar- there's audio from that sitcom and then we get all we see is just a look at the set of the aftermath with the monk- with the, with the chimp just sitting there and then he looks at the camera and we don't have the context in that scene. Like we don't really have, we don't, we have no context in that scene. And then when that comes back later, um, and we know that we're in the POV of jupe as a child, like it's just, it's just even more unsettling when we get that scene and he goes up to him. And I feel like the greater narrative here, the greater, the greater story here and kind of the overarching theme of everything going on in this movie is that, the movie is about like people not respecting like uh, creatures and not respecting those that are more powerful than them or more like that they don't understand. So, and I've been kind of struggling a little bit with this, but like Jupe played by Steven Yeun, he is a character who witnessed firsthand this just incredibly violent, vicious outbreak, but he, is still like as an adult he not only doesn't learn the lesson from that that he shouldn't you know that people should not exploit creatures or living things for their own success or uh or entertainment or the just the concept of showmanship or whatever um they don't need to do that <laughs> like that's not something that should um like that that's that's a lesson that is harshly learned on the set of the sitcom but it doesn't it is not imparted on him um because he does the same thing with with the ufo and he and he pays the price and he like 
kills everyone there. It kills everyone. But we'll get to that in a second. But um, also the the office scene where uh where oj is talking to him about the horses and everything and then and then m gets distracted and talks about kid sheriff and and all that he goes into talking about the massacre going into talking about what happened and he even says that he that he usually charges people thousands of dollars to see this like secret shrine that he has in the back of the office that's hidden in a wall like a secret doorway. It's very just gross and exploitative. And he talks about it. It's so interesting because he taught, he tells the story. And then when they ask, I, I can't remember if they ask or if he says that people ask what really happened, but I think they ask him like what really happened. And then he just kind of deflects and he's like, you know, Chris Kattan on, on SNL did a great job. And that's the best way that I can do that. I can describe it is just that that's, that was spot on. And it's like, it's this weird compartmentalization that he does where he's not like, it's, it's separating the, the, like the knowledge of what really happened, what he witnessed, what he saw happen. And instead of like facing that he is deflecting and he is focusing on the spectacle and, and all of that. It's just a really interesting uh, character trait for him. But, but yeah, what did you think of that word salad that I just spewed in your ears? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think Stephen Young, his um, his character is just so fascinating. I mean, it's 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 a fun allegory for you know uh, human beings not respecting nature, like you were saying. You know, and he mm-hmm. he has every reason to uh, a glaring, horrible, horrific reason mm-hmm. to understand that lesson, uh, but he doesn't, and it. Uh, ultimately leads to his demise. Um, and it, it it is funny, you know, he, again, you're, he, he's, he takes the wrong lesson from the whole Gordy incident, Mm -hmm. uh, and tries to exploit it for his own gain as opposed to learning from it. Uh, and that's just, uh, it's, um, one of the, um, reviews you mentioned earlier, uh, someone compared it to jaws and you mm-hmm. know, that's very, it's a apt, apt comparison. People not yeah. respecting the power of nature. And, mm-hmm. um, that's, he's a great example of that. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. I do, um, not to jump away from it, but the mm-hmm. whole, um, the, the, uh, concept of man versus nature in this with the, uh, the Gordy incident and then the, uh, you know, the horses kind of being used as just, sacrifices mm-hmm. basically and just not the the animals are not respected there's that scene early on where he's on set mm-hmm. with the horse and those people are just not they just don't give a shit and yeah the one lady almost gets her head kicked off mm-hmm. um and then of course the relationship to the people uh and how they react to the the ufo which is essentially an animal yeah yeah um which we 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 find out mm-hmm. um and, and and it's uh it's so great because um OJ mm-hmm. is the only person that respects it as an animal and treats yeah. it, tries to understand uh, what the nature of that animal. Mm-hmm. And he's the only person who has any success avoiding being food for it, you know, because right. the, we're just so outnumbered. It's so powerful mm-hmm. um, that there's just no way we can 
we don't stand a chance against it really, but he actually tries to understand what makes it tick and see how it works. And he actually right. has some success trying to navigate it and, and interact with it and everything. And that's such an interesting aspect of the movie. I really enjoyed that. That's the, and that's, it's funny cause that's sort of a classic thing, you know, I guess yeah. in kind of a, a, a monster movie, there's always some badass that comes along and kind of understands how they're going to, kill the monster or get the monster or whatever, but it mm-hmm. had such a different meaning in this movie because of the man versus nature yeah. theme that was being pounded so hard. Um, I just really appreciated that aspect of the movie. That was very well, that's just damn good writing from Jordan Peele. Yeah, I, I agree that level of, um, respect that, that <laughs> Daniel Kaluuya's character has, uh, toward, toward the ship slash monster and everything is really it's kind of what what really uh connected with me in terms of that contrast between their reaction to it and jupiter's claims that uh reaction to it i just think that that's just a, a really interesting um interesting kind of tone to strike for it um and then also with uh uh, with Jupiter's climb, something that um, Ben actually pointed out to me via text today is that he not only he not only exploits the monster, exploits the the alien, uh, f- just for sheer spectacle and success and everything, but in in addition to putting his putting his loved ones in danger and uh, people in the audience in danger, but he also exploits like the um uh the actress from gordy from gordy's home uh like kind of showing her off uh, and everything when she has like a like she her face is permanently uh like disfigured from from that incident and it's just this very gross like level of exploitation that that jupe does and I think that that's that's evident throughout the entire movie, and I think that that's really interesting in the kind of a sort of subtle way. Like even when he and I and I I have to see it again, but and I might be incorrect on this, but I kind of feel like that scene in the stables when, um, when Jupe's kids are in the alien costumes and uh, are scaring OJ. I kind of feel like they I feel like it's implied and I could be wrong if if I let me know if you if you picked up on this at all or or if I'm completely out, like talking out of my ass but I kind of feel like the impl- implication is that Jupe sent them to just just kind of just to mess with them and everything and just like the thought of that like I mean I know in the grand scheme of things it's you know it's a, it's a prank and everything but also like Tensions are running high. At that point, um, Jupe knows that there is like an alien being and everything. Like, and he's sending his children to a place specifically to scare someone. And like, that could turn into a very dangerous thing for the children. <laughs> um, in in a very I don't know in in a very grim way. And I just kind of feel like that is indicative of Jupe just not caring about, you know, other people because he wants to do the spectacle thing. And I don't know. That's a very small part of it. But I don't I don't know if that's if I'm, again, talking out of my ass. 
I, I don't know if I came to the same conclusion that Jupe sent his kids. Mm-hmm. I think maybe the kids were just being jackasses. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah. You might be right, but I don't know if that's if that's a conclusion we were supposed to draw. I I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't I don't necessarily disagree with you, mm-hmm. but I I didn't have that thought during the okay. movie, I'll say that. I think it was just the kids trying mm-hmm. to get back at him because they're kids and Well, that's the thing. Like you know. that Yeah, I like I didn't I didn't really think about it until at, like after the movie. Like in the moment I didn't think that that was the case, but then I, the more I thought about it, like that scene is almost directly after um uh directly after um M comes back with the fake horse that she stole from from Jupiter's right. claim. So like I kind of feel like that's I don't know. I feel like there's a loose connection there, but I I don't know. But it in the end it doesn't really matter. So yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um yeah, anything else on that topic or Um I don't think so. I think kind of the only other major thing I wanted to mm-hmm talk about was um during the the final the kind of final conflict uh with the creature um i thought it was really interesting how um uh the creature started to sort of transform and and act differently yeah um and in the moment for for a second i was like this is weird why is this just now happening but mm-hmm. i feel the um the interaction changed entirely mm-hmm. um up until that point, the creature was basically feeding, mm-hmm. you know, basically hunting, hunting and oh, feeding. Yeah. Right? And, um, the dyna- dynamic completely changed. And when it first shows up, it's in its typical form. It's like a disc with mm-hmm. a hole in the middle of what we've been seeing the whole time. Yeah. But then it starts to change into this very flowy kind of, uh, octopus looking mm-hmm. thing. And sky. And like I said, at first I was like, that's just weird. Why is it just now doing that? But I understood that it's, um, it's, it's a territorial display. It's like a peacock peacocking, um, you know, but except for, you know, for a territorial reason, it's trying to make itself bigger and Mm -hmm. it's trying to intimidate OJ because OJ is having a standoff with it Mm -hmm. and fighting over territory. And so of course it's going to act differently and do different things. And I was just like, that's, that's so cool like it was just such a good idea and to see that the implementation of that was really interesting i think it sort of took away a bit of the uh a bit of the threat and took away a bit of the horror maybe Mm -hmm. um because like that was a little less menacing for it um but it was still just really, I just thought it was such an interesting idea. And, and in the, like you said, in the moment I was a little confused with it. I was like, Oh, that's, that's what's going on here. This is a standoff. This is a yeah. territorial display from the creature. That's just so, so cool how that, for that all worked out. Yeah. For some reason I did not even connect that. It was like a territorial kind of peacock kind of thing. Okay. Like I just thought that like, Oh, now it's not, now it's not trying to be a flying saucer anymore. It's just now it's being, it's like, complete form that's really interesting and you're Mm. absolutely right that's awesome um yeah yeah, because it's yeah um yeah and another thing that i really liked kind of a subtle like kind of background thing i guess um a couple things one is that they just reference like missing hikers like on the radio or on the tv like in, in the background it's like oh okay so it's been feeding like it's it's you know doing that um mm. the other thing in and I can't wait to watch it. I'm going to see it again this weekend, to be honest. Um, <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> but the um the the other thing is that early on when they get to Jupiter's claim and they're uh, about to meet with Jupe um his wife is on the phone in the office and saying like we were able to squeeze out a couple more friends and family uh tickets for for the big show and everything and I don't know what the point of that was because uh, I think that it's more them kind of hustling and them, you know, trying to get, trying to like claim that they're bigger than they are because when we see that, and maybe it's because of the weather, but when we see that, like there's not very many people there. But also I kind of wonder if that connects back to the, to the actress from the show. Maybe they're trying to get her to go uh, to it um for the clout um for the gram <laughs> um but i don't know i'll have to see it again but i i don't know i think that there might be something there but anyway um interesting yeah how did you feel about the actual reveal that the ship is a creature and that the abductions are actually just feeding i think it took away some of the horror especially for me oh I, you really? know i kind of yeah because i i really wanted you know i wanted little green men in a ship that's yeah. what i wanted i wanted abduction um but it it morphs into a whole nother kind of horror that it's mm-hmm. a seemingly unstoppable monster that's yeah. just incredibly fast incredibly powerful and it can just literally suck 50 people up out of the, mm. off the ground like it's nothing and feed on them that's obviously that's horrifying and i think uh the other scene in the movie that could be the most chilling part is when all of the spectators from the new show that jupe is trying to make uh get sucked up into the alien and we see them being digested consumed and digested and yeah. they're they're screaming in horror that's really disturbing to me um yeah but yeah it it just kind of um it was just such a shift i think the Mm -hmm. fact that it was a there was an animal you know a creature um and it wasn't what i was expecting i I think it's a really cool creative choice i think Mm -hmm. that's great i've never seen anything like that uh in an alien type sci-fi show or movie before yeah Uh, so i really respect it for that i think it was cool but um I guess it's just not, it was such a shift and just so different from what I was thinking and what I wanted that, mm-hmm. um, it, it ultimately just kind of, it didn't take me out of it, but it was just a slight, like kind of let down, honestly. Interesting. Um, it's, it's not, it's not a fair criticism. I can't criticize the movie for it. It's just my reaction to it was like, Oh man, I really wanted to be, I really wanted little green men to be abducting yeah. people, but okay, that's okay. This is cool. I mean, that makes sense. Like I get that. I, I did not have that reaction. I thought like, that's where the movie kind of really clicked together for me. Um, in for, for a couple of reasons. One is specifically because the way that the, the way that it's shown <laughs> is so just wild like when they're when they're uh when jupiter's claim all the people there are brought up and we see like that very narrow like digestive track from the inside and we see them struggling and screaming and then later when we hear the screams as it's back in saucer or as the saucer is flying around absolutely chilling and it leads to an incredible sequence where it's raining blood 
all over the house. Like it's it's basically, which is funny. Like that is a completely wild scene, creepy and scary. But like when you think about it, it's just this creature shitting on a house. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but the other part of that is that the movie clicked together for me when it's revealed that it's actually a creature because OJ like sees that and he's like, Oh, it's, it's, it's a predator. So we need to like, we need to figure out how to basically train it or wrangle it or whatever. Like he's, he's utilizing like he, like he is, they know like that their job is to um, manage horses on a film set so he's using that to like using that skill set for like capture just capturing footage of this thing not their intention isn't even to destroy it it's just to get that perfect shot and it's just really that that's where the whole themes uh, like all the themes of the movie just kind of click together for me that it's about kind of like exploitation and exploiting people and things that you don't respect or understand to to further your own gain and everything and i i don't know i just found that to be really uh really interesting and it kind of opened the movie up for me a little bit um yeah yeah okay that's cool yeah yeah um i was uh just sitting here um one of my favorite scenes in the movie is uh we, we didn't talk about it yet where the mm-hmm. well we talked about it a little bit where the kids are pranking him oh yeah and they're turning the lights off because for me i was like oh fuck this is it this we're yeah. going to see these little bastards like this is going to be so cool oh yeah oh i bought um, into it totally oh yeah yeah me too mm-hmm. um and you know uh, the, the lights turn off he goes out there turns them back on or turns them off and then they come back on and he's as he's walking away i was like oh shit yeah. um but i just that's the best part where he's just like nope 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 that is <laughs> yeah. And he actually says the line like that mm-hmm. was amazing. And then I, I was sitting here like laughing to myself at the part where he's holding his cell phone, like getting ready to take the picture, like mm-hmm. get the candid shot. And uh, he's kind of backing up. And then there's the, what he thinks is an alien hanging down from the ceiling right next to him. And yeah. he just punches it in the face. Yes. <laughs> God, that was so funny. I loved mm-hmm. that part. I just, I don't really have anything, uh, particularly constructive to say about it other than the fact that I just <laughs> loved it and it was so well constructed and yeah just just great writing and filmmaking it was funny oh yeah I I loved that too I absolutely love that too um yeah. what did you think of the, the kind of final moments where she gets the shot with the kind of crank thing and uh oh and I remember the context of the of the kind of like the the palm slap scene it's when uh, <laughs> uh, it's when M says, "Like, didn't I tell you he was gonna show up with a camera that doesn't use electricity? Like, we're gonna yeah. get it, we're gonna get it." And then that's when they did it. I was like, that just the pure joy and excitement in that is so cool. <laughs> yes, so good. I love that part too. That was so funny. Just so her enthusiasm. Awesome. Like, I just knew this motherfucker was gonna show up with a non-electric <laughs> yes. camera. It was yeah, so that great. was fantastic. I love that part. Oh yeah. yeah. But, um, but yeah, the final moments, like, I kind of feel like this is similar to, and I'm not going to spoil us, but similar to the ending of us, that kind of reveal at the end of us is like, it's, it's fine. Um, I thought, I thought the ending of us was fine and it's kind of similar here 
in the sense that I kind of came away from it like, okay, that's fine. Where she is, it's it's a little it's a little on the nose. Like she has the can, she has the pictures. Uh, the the creature is destroyed. It blows up and all that. Um, and she's literally like in in the middle of one side has the news, one side has her brother, and she chooses to go to her brother. Like, I feel like, okay, that's a little, it's a little too direct and on the nose, but I'm also like, fine, it's it's fine. Like, it's a good kind of conclusion. I, yeah, I don't know. How did you feel about the the ending there? Yeah, I thought the whole, um, the the well camera was, was clever, um, mm. especially how it was established earlier on in the movie that that's what that was. Um, that was clever and just incorporating it in. I I think the, uh, relevance of that photo is like, it's like, really? I mean, that's not, they wanted a cool, like video of the UFO, the creature, and they got a still photo. Like, it's just like, that's just not going to have the impact that I think they want it to. Yeah. But I also feel like that is, that's, it it calls back to the the man on the horse thing um the frames okay. compiled to to make a moving image and i kind of thought that the movie was going to end with like a a shot of i mean it would have looked like garbage <laughs> like of the like three shots like in a in a motion picture kind of thing um but obviously that wasn't going to be the case or anything um because obviously that it would just be missing so many frames <laughs> But I kind of feel like that's kind of the implication is that like, oh, they're 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 descended from someone who uh, was on, you know, like is is in the first the first moving picture and they have then created the first presumably the first moving picture of (laughs) of alien life. So I I kind of feel like there is a connection there. But um, but yeah, so. Yeah, I um but yeah, I the ending was fine. Yeah, I, I agree. It was a little uh mm-hmm. just fine. It was just a, a little anticlimactic maybe. Yeah. 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 Or it would have just been funny to see him on Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been fun. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. Anything else about Nope? Hmm, I think we talked about it pretty extensively. I, I think, think I'm uh, I'm good. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Well, Nope is currently in theaters. Uh, yeah, let us know what you thought of it. And uh, Tiny, do you want to go on to what will probably be a brief review of Don't Make Me Go? Yeah. Okay. All right. So we are now going to talk about Don't Make Me Go, uh, which is uh, which pr- premiered on Amazon Prime Video on July 15th, 2022. I think before that it ran the festival circuit. I think it was... Uh, pretty well received at Sundance, if I'm not mistaken. But the premise for Don't Make Me Go is when a single father to a teenage daughter learns that he has a fatal brain tumor, he takes her on a road trip to find the mother who abandoned her years before and to try to teach her everything she might need over the rest of her life. Directed by Hannah Marks and written by Vera Herbert, uh, the cast is John Cho, Mia Isaac, and Kaya Scott. Godelario. Um, and yeah, so um, 
we're going to do non-spoiler and then spoiler review because we have to do a spoiler review for this because <laughs> I have some thoughts. Um, but I should say on Patreon, there is an immediate reaction recording on Patreon of me talking about this movie for the $2 and above patrons at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. And I also wrote a review on obsessiveviewer.com. So if you'll indulge me, Tiny, I have a couple of uh, excerpts from my review and then we can go into our review. Um, Sounds good. Okay. So I rated Don't Make Me Go two stars out of five. And a couple of excerpts I have from the review are, quote, For two-thirds of its runtime, Hannah Marks's Don't Make Me Go is a very solid road trip drama about a father keeping his fatal brain tumor a secret as he takes his teenage daughter to meet her estranged mother. John Cho and Mia Isaac give strong performances in a script that does a respectable job of setting up the dire and dramatic circumstances in which the pair find themselves. It is unfortunate, however, that the other third of the film squanders that goodwill by upending itself with an unearned and manipulative story beat, that feels too much like Vera Herbert's script is attempting to trick the audience rather than bring the story to an organic and satisfying conclusion. And then I go on to say in the review that, quote, Don't Make Me Go is eerily reminiscent of 2018's Life Itself, another movie that disguises its emotionally manipulative storytelling with unearned surprise plot turns. It isn't a surprise that Don't Make Me Go screenwriter Vera Herbert worked on NBC's This Is Us, which was created by Life Itself's writer and director Dan Fogelman. These projects are all indicative of a specific brand of overly faux-sentimental storytelling that prioritizes plot turns over organic character development. So again, I rated this two stars. Tiny, I saw that you rated it considerably higher than me. Um, (laughs) So in non-spoiler thoughts... Let's talk about Don't Make Me Go, which again is available on Amazon Prime Video. Tiny, hit us with your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, yeah, I really liked it. I rated it four stars. Mm. Um, four stars or four and a half? Uh, I don't even remember. It, mm. it was at least four. It may have been four and a half. Um, but I, you know, I, again, I think I'm just kind of, uh, if, if, Oh yeah. I did give it four and a half. Um, I, I think I'm on this, uh, emotional journey right now as a Mm -hmm. person and it's just really affecting how I, uh, interpret art right now. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, if, if listeners reference my reaction to, uh, Thor love and thunder, um, compared to you and Ben and a lot of other people too. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sort of in the minority on that movie. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just, I, I think it's, I think it's the whole paternal thing. It's just, it's hard yeah. for me to separate myself from it right now. Um, but I do think it was, um, it was really interesting. I, I, mm-hmm. I was, I was surprised. I, I didn't see, uh, you know, I didn't see what was going to happen. It was, it was very surprising to me. Um, I thought the uh, performances were both really good. Um, there was some, it's got a pretty good script. I think one of its weaknesses is the um, kind of the blending of the comedy and the drama. I, I think mm. it was, it probably touts itself as like a dramedy kind of movie, but it's mostly just a drama Yeah. Um, with some comedy sprinkled throughout it. Um, but I was mostly just really, uh, really blown away by the the two performances I thought were just mm-hmm. great, especially Mia Isaac. I had never seen her in any, anything before. Yeah. Um, 
she's still pretty new. Um, and John Cho, I think, you know, mo- most of us sort of relate him to his comedy career. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's, he's uh, Harold from Harold and Kumar. That's what a lot <laughs> of us associate with John Cho and to see him in such a, um, such a traditionally dramatic performance was really mm-hmm. different. Um, and I think he did a fantastic job. Um, but yeah, I, I just really appreciated the emotional journey of the movie. Um, I, I understand where you're coming from with your criticisms. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just had an opposite reaction to it. I thought it was, um, I just thought it was well done in mm-hmm. my book. I mean, we'll talk about it more in spoilers, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I just, I just liked it. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's interesting. Like I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I know, I know Mike likes to say, um, yucking your yum, but I'm like, I'm, I'm not trying to spike your Kool-Aid or anything. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I know. That. Um, yeah, yeah. But like, I will talk more about it in spoilers, but I, I do understand. And I, I do like it. I don't, I don't, uh, disparage you or begrudge you your opinion or anything by any start. I never do, obviously. Um, mm. But I, I can see how it can be much more effective on you than it was for me. Um, did you ever see Life Itself? Even though I know that it's not the same people, but yeah. You did? Yeah, I did see that, yeah. Okay, how'd you feel about that movie? I liked it too. Um, mm. I didn't give it I probably didn't give it four, four and a half stars. Mm. I did like that movie. Okay. Um, I read the book too. Um, oh, really? Or no, 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 no. I'm thinking of the wrong thing. Oh, um, okay. I'm thinking of uh, The Fault in Our Stars. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. No, life itself yeah. is something completely different. It's, um, yeah, no, I don't I never, even I never saw that one. Okay, yeah. It was also on Amazon Prime. Um, yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah. Did you ever watch This Is Us? I've I've seen some episodes, but it didn't really look like my cup of tea. Okay, okay. Um, so anyway, yeah, it's kind of the same brand, I think. But yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I kind of feel like this movie. It it works really well, uh, reasonably so, I should say, reasonably well as this road trip movie, kind of connecting with with uh family and everything like it it, and it kind of gets a little cute and schmaltzy there um but there's also like little things here and there that aren't that don't really kind of that don't really compute like the one thing that i'm just like like how is this like how is this something that an actual human being would do (laughs) like it's it's not a spoiler per se but like there's a point in the movie where uh, she, the, the daughter Wally is, uh, like they're at a motel on like the uh, leg of the trip and she it, like goes outside and starts kind of partying with, uh, these guys that are nearby. And then like, she goes to, like, she goes to another location and then kind of just falls asleep. And then he, like, he, like, I understand that on paper that like, oh, teenager is going to teenager. Um, and go do that. But like, how, I, I feel like there, I feel like it's not written well because I don't understand, I don't understand the, the mental state that would lead a person, a teenager to do that while so far away from home. And like, I don't, I don't get that. I don't understand that. Um, 
it's a minor nitpick, but I, I just think that like that kind of took me out of the movie a little bit. Hmm. Okay. I, I didn't have that, mm-hmm. uh, that reaction to it. I think kind of what you said, teenagers are going to be dumb and do yeah. dumb shit and they're going to look for the good time. And she was looking for a good time. I think that was just, uh, the explanation for that um Mm -hmm. i also think it was sort of decently well established that her character caves to peer pressure yeah that's true i think that's that kind of uh explained that part of it so i do i mean (laughs) i was i had a similar reaction in that i'm like what is she doing why the hell would she do this to her dad jesus christ but that's because i'm getting old and i right i'm I'm veering more towards the paternal instinct as opposed (laughs) to the fun teenager shit you know yeah yeah and and Again, that's probably comes across as me just being like, well, kids these days wouldn't do that, even though I don't know what the hell kids these days are doing. I haven't watched Euphoria <laughs> yet. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, but I mean, up until the turn toward the end of the movie, like I was enjoying the movie. I thought it was really pretty solid. Um the connection between the characters was really was really strong. The chemistry is phenomenal. Like both both John Cho and Mia Isaac do a phenomenal job. It's just that that switch at the end, that thing at the end, just does not. It it just it just it it didn't sit with me like at all. Like it just it lost all all like I guess credibility really for me. And it just felt very pandering. Um, yeah. Hmm. Um, anything else we can really talk about in non-spoilers? No, I think I think the spoilers is the big meat of the movie. So yeah, yep. Which I'll end the non-spoiler saying this: when a movie exists where the majority of the movie is one thing. And then the rest of the movie is kind of another thing, sort of. I I kind of feel like when there is a when there's an when there's not enough in the in the majority of the movie to discuss in a more thorough non spoiler section, and it is predicated to us going into the spoiler section. I feel like that's indicative of a problem with the storytelling. <laughs> Um, or maybe it's, we've also been going for almost three hours. So who knows? Um, yeah. So, uh, anyway, we're going to go into spoilers for don't make me go. Um, yeah. So, uh, if you don't want to be spoiled, go ahead and, uh, sign off and come back when you watch it. It's available on Amazon prime. I rated it two stars, tiny rated it four and a half stars. And, uh, I'm going to play a clip from the trailer while we go into spoilers. So stay tuned for that. There's one option, but the operation is risky. So when are you having the surgery? I don't know. How do I tell my daughter? I'm kind of it for her. So how are you? Let's go somewhere. We've never taken a real road trip together. No way. It's the rest of summer. We're going. I will be miserable the entire time. I will teach you to drive on the way. If you have a good attitude for real, I'll let you get behind the wheel. If you promise to never do that again, Ever. I will never, ever do it again. Get out! All right, good. We're going to see so much good stuff driving. Okay, so spoilers on for Don't Make Me Go. Um, First, I just want to say, before we get to the big thing, I also felt like it was a little bit peculiar. I, I, I won't say peculiar. 
I'll say this. I feel like the movie did not do a strong enough job or a good enough job at communicating why why the choice that John Cho's character had was so hard. Because the movie paints it as he has in a, a, a fatal brain tumor that he is given a prognosis of at most one year. However, there is a surgery that can be done, can be performed, that if it is successful, he he's good. But there is a risk that he could die during the operation. As someone, like, I feel like, I don't, I won't say that that is a clear, like, that is obviously a very horrible situation to find yourself in. That is a very difficult decision to make. But I kind of feel like it's a little weird that he's just like, okay, I'm going to, I'm just going to take the one year. I'm going to not do it. I'm probably not going to do it. And the whole point of the movie is him getting, I guess, kind of getting this new lease on life and this new kind of like he's like he at the end of the movie, he gets the surgery and he's okay and he has a new life. And then it's just it just felt just so not authentic to me. It didn't feel like it was developed well enough. Did you have any thoughts on that aspect of the story before we get to the the big the big show. Um, yeah, I think, I think I disagree with you. And and the okay. reason is because I think he felt like, um, he needed the time because he needed mm-hmm. the time to, uh, basically, you know, introduce his daughter to her mom. Mm-hmm. And because he had no one, she, he, yeah. that his daughter had no one else to go to besides her mom and she's never met her. And so that's what mattered was, making that connection for her, you know, getting her connected with her mother. And if he chose to just go ahead and do the surgery and he died, his, his daughter would be left in the dark. Um, and so I, I, I understand why he chose to go on the road trip and all mm-hmm. that. But I think, you know, after he establishes that with his ex-wife and mm-hmm. uh, his daughter, I think, from then he should have presented everything to his daughter and said, Hey, you know, this is the scenario. And, you know, I, obviously his daughter would have talked him into, uh, getting the surgery. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I think I, I, I followed the logic of that and I didn't disagree with it. I think it made sense. Okay. Um, for that reason, I think it was just about the time for him. You know, he was like, I can't, the surgery for now is not an option. I think that's kind of what he was going on. Yeah. And it does track, it does track with the character because he's unable to really form like an emotional connection with his booty call for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. So I, I do get that. I like fine. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Um, can we talk about it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So the movie opens with a voiceover saying, you're not going to like how this story ends but I hope you enjoy the ride or whatever. And then after, you know, they've bonded and everything and he goes up and does karaoke, everything gets blurry and then she fucking dies. And then we get another voiceover where she says, I told you you weren't going to like how this ended. Let's look at like, like, 
did you do you remember when I when I passed out when when Glenn uh, kissed me? And do you remember when I almost passed out while drinking? Do you remember how I said that I was sweaty? These are all red flags for a heart defect that I had, and I'm dead. How how dumb are you for not noticing that? And like, aren't I so clever? Being a movie that is just. <laughs> Uh, just doing this this big switcheroo because you thought he was gonna die. So instead of instead of actually you know telling a a very heartfelt story about a father and son, we're gonna pull the rug out from underneath you and kill me. And so my dad can you know hook up more legitimately with his girlfriend and then get the surgery and be okay. How clever. I hated this movie, Tiny. <laughs> it felt so pandering and so, like, it felt just so insulting. And it just felt so, it felt like the movie was more in love with the idea of of switching it around and surprising the audience that it lost any any chance of being emotionally resonant for me, specifically because it, it wanted to do like the big twist thing instead of like, I I don't know. It just felt like it it wanted to be like a shock thing rather than an organic thing. And then when you add the, the literal flashbacks, like they showed the scenes where she has these (laughs) symptoms and they presented it like, Oh, Hey, we thought we were going to kill. You thought we were going to kill John, John Cho, but we're going to kill the kid instead. (laughs) You fucking idiot. Like, just it is. It was insultingly bad for me. I I really didn't like it. And again, I don't want to yuck your yum, but man, I hated it so much. It was so dumb. It was so insulting, so pandering, and I just I really didn't like it. But um, but I I say that with the full knowledge that I know that you are in a much different space. You are in a much different. <laughs> point in your life you you have um a different reaction i'm sure you have a different reaction to it so i will yield the floor to you and i will try not to curse anymore (laughs) (laughs) well what i what i loved about the movie was Mm -hmm. not the twist i mean it's, it's not not one of my favorite parts of the movie that's not what i loved about it Mm -hmm. um i will give you that there was an overemphasis on the twist. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they think they're cool. Like M night Shyamalan twist kind of people. Yeah. I will give you that. I think that was uh clunky. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, I think the flashbacks to show that she had symptoms were kind of necessary. At least I, okay. I wasn't, I mean, while I, I do agree that they were kind of, um, Again, hammy, clunky, a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, th- I, I, I was watching it and like, oh shit, she was having symptoms. I didn't mm-hmm. even think of that, you know. Um, so it was useful for me as a viewer. I'll put it that way. I, I really don't see the, um, the insults. I guess that you okay. were that you were emphasizing. Um, I don't, I don't think it was like cruel from the the filmmaker mm-hmm. standpoint or the storyteller. I don't think it was like a hi, you idiot. We thought we were, we were going <laughs> to do this, but we actually did this. You dumbass. Like I really <laughs> don't think that was an intention at all. Um, I, 
I'm I mean, sure I, it I'm, wasn't the intention. I'm I'm sure it wasn't the intention, but like when you have a dead teenager telling us over voiceover yeah. that oh hey, I actually I died. It wasn't my dad. Like that just feels like it feels like hack writing. It feels like it's so hacky and and so in love with 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 the M Night Shyamalan-ness of it that it just it yeah. Anyway, sorry, sorry. No, that's fine. And and I you know, it it, it does have voiceover in the movie, and I'm mm-hmm. not typically a fan of voiceover. Right. Sometimes it works. I don't think it was really bad, but it mm. wasn't particularly good either. Mm-hmm. Uh it's not not the best storytelling tactic. Um but having said all that, I think there's a better version of this movie that exists mm-hmm. where they go and meet the mother and she's she's not a good person, she's in a bad mm-hmm. place and it's a emotional uh toll and it's it's a horrible thing and then they go home and john cho tells her what's going on Mm -hmm. and she tells him to uh get the surgery Mm -hmm. and he gets the surgery and he dies Mm -hmm. and then she has to go live with her mom legally Mm -hmm. and but of course that would afford a position that would, that would afford a, uh, a scene where basically she has to try to, they have to just try to start getting along with her mom and they find a good relationship with each other and they relate to each other and have it. That could be a happy, yeah. uh, you know, kind of soapy, um, uh, what's the word cheesy kind of ending yeah. too. But I, you know, you could go a dark route where it's like this, this the daughter is not happy living with her mom and she misses her dad and that would be super dark but mm-hmm. a little more grounded i think there's yeah. also a, ver- a version i think where the uh the gay best friend i think mm-hmm. his name was i can't remember his name i don't care it doesn't matter oh, yeah i don't remember the gay best friend could have been a little more involved in a few more scenes been mm-hmm. a closer friend to him uh, had a better relationship with the daughter. And then before John Cho goes into surgery, they signed some paperwork where she would go to him Yeah, and then try to establish a relationship with her mom. I think mm-hmm. that's a better version of the movie. I will say that. Um, but again, for me, it's the whole father daughter connection and yeah. the solid performances that really jumped out to me. And uh, so I, I don't, I don't think your criticisms are wrong. I think, right. You know, if I'd seen this movie five years ago, I might, I don't know if I would have hated it. I don't know if I would have bashed it, but I probably might have only given it three stars. Sure. And, and like, I, I, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't think we're going to see eye to eye on it, which is fine, which is fine. But, um, (laughs) it's going to be a dick and be like, yeah, I, I, I do think that there is a, a, a better version of the movie. It's the version where I don't spend an hour and 45 minutes watching it. Um, <laughs> but no, it, it's just, it, I don't know. The other thing about that is that like, it, I think my big, the big issue I have with it is that it feels like the movie, um, again, is so in love with, with pulling one over on us that, it's like it it kind of feels like the movie is 
moving us toward that at kind of a quick pace. Like, oh, okay, well, we're going to go to the college reunion. Um, Oh, but she's not there because they got divorced. So we're going to find her in Florida. And then, and then the scene where they meet her, where where John Cho like goes up to the to the door and talks to her, and then it's revealed that she has a baby, she has her own like new life and everything. That feels like a cheat, to an extent. Like we get the, we get John Cho telling his daughter about it and leveling with her and everything, and we get the emotional impact there. But then. When when Wally dies and then we see like the parts of her funeral and everything and then we see the mother show up crying and everything that feels like I don't know what purpose that served other than oh she regretted not having a connection with with her daughter like yeah okay this teenager that's all of what 16 years old 15 years old dies like yeah everyone in her life is going to <laughs> to want more time with her and everything and I just feel like the mother character was not was not developed at all, like just didn't do anything for me. It was just like like they had this emotional scene written between her and and John Cho that just felt like it kind of felt like toward the end, like, oh, we need to end this scene. We need to figure out like how like are is she gonna meet the daughter? No, because we're gonna kill the daughter, so let's just reveal that she has her own baby and everything, and that's what like it kind of feels like they were breaking it down that way instead of being like, okay, what's the best way emotionally for the characters to, to interact and like, what can they learn from it? And I know that I'm being super dismissive and I'm being, um, I'm, I'm definitely downplaying it or I'm, I'm being, I don't know. I, there's a word, but I can't think of it right now, but I'm, I'm being a dick. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but I just, I really, I think that this movie as much as I liked those first two thirds, I think that it it had hacky writing throughout it that just did not, just did not deliver or do anything for me. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's that's fair. I think um, I I didn't necessarily need more from the mom character, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, for for me really, um, I think the the scene at the funeral was a little a little clunky for sure mm-hmm. but i also think it was just comeuppance for mm-hmm. for her character and they wanted the audience to see that i think that was what they were going <laughs> for there i didn't need it for sure yeah. but i think that's what they were going for there and you know i the the whole scene where uh, max mm-hmm. meets or you know uh interacts with the mom and everything um I get those criticisms as well. Like that's, that, that kind of makes sense. But I think, you know, the alternative is cheesy. The alternative is a mm-hmm. fucking Disney movie where she's like, Oh, I can't meet my daughter. And then she has a change of heart and they make a mm-hmm. connection. And then that it, John Cho dies during surgery and they have mm-hmm. a wonderful, you know, happy ending. I think that's the, and it's like, we've seen that we've seen that movie. That's a Disney movie. Yeah. And this is, this is something different. I, I will say that. And mm-hmm. maybe it's not the best written, but it was different. And I, it wasn't afraid to make a hard choice, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, the writer wasn't afraid to make a hard choice, a hard creative choice. I, I and and I agree. You're absolutely right. I think that there is a middle ground to have there because, from my perspective, and again, this okay. is me, this is me being very dismissive of it and being a dick. But I feel like the way that the movie plays out is like. I just imagine like writing the script 
and being like, all right, well, we just killed this kid as a surprise. Cool. Now let's let's show what a piece of shit the mother is for not connecting with her and everything and show that she's emotional about it. Like, I, I don't know. It just feels just so inauthentic. It feels like the movie did not care, didn't care as much about building the characters into actual three-dimensional characters for my liking, for my tastes. Um like they didn't like I like they didn't sit there and like they didn't call me. They didn't listen to the podcast. They didn't call me and say, "Hey, how do you think we should do this?" No. Um <laughs> but no, I just feel like there should have been more development for the characters, I think. Um and it just didn't deliver okay. for me. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, and yeah. I I totally get um feeling insulted. You can't help mm-hmm. how you feel, you know. I totally get that. Um there's a movie that came out this year. Um you haven't watched it yet, so I'm not mm-hmm. going to talk about it, but like okay. um it's on my letterbox that I gave mm-hmm. it a, you can check my review of it. It's the lowest review I've given lowest rating I've given all year. Um, Ooh. I felt insulted by the writing in that movie. It was so really? lowest common denominator, bad and just a bad idea. Uh, so I, and I was just like, fuck this movie. So I, I get, <laughs> I get how you feel. I get how you mm-hmm. feel. Cause you can't, you can't help that. So, um, yeah, I it's it's I wasn't expecting you to hate it that much or yeah, yeah I really wasn't expecting you to hate it that much but uh mm. it it is what it is. I get it. Yeah. Oh, it's Spiderhead. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I haven't watched it yet but I yeah. I can't so Ben gave it like 3 stars and most people are giving it very middle of the road ratings. Oh, wow. I I don't get it. I I'm really actually kind of anxious for you to watch it. Mm-hmm. So just so we can talk about it cuz I'm really curious how you're going to react to it. Honestly, I had like I I didn't know that you had I, I didn't know that you had watched Don't Make Me Go. And like today I was like I look, I peeked at your letterbox cuz I was like, uh if he hasn't watched it, maybe I'll shoot him a text and be like, "Hey, um I know, I know, you know, time is of the essence, but I can probably watch Spiderhead today and then we can review that instead of Don't Make Me Go. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, but I'm glad that I got, I'm glad that I got that outburst out. <laughs> no, that's, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, you did, I did, I did take my half star off. I gave it four stars. Oh, did I, you? Okay. I thought I had rated it four. I don't I, That was probably just kind of an immediate reaction thing. Yeah. While there were still fucking tears in my eyes. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, cool. do you think it'll show up on your top 10 at the end of the year? It's possible. I'll mm-hmm. put it that way. Nice. Yeah. And I meant to ask that about Nope as well. I I don't think so. I, I want to I watch it again. It could very well end up on my top 10. We'll see. Okay, nice. All right, well, we've been going for quite a long time. Do we have anything else to say about Don't Make Me Go? No, except if anyone else has a uh, opinion, I'd be very curious to hear it because mm-hmm. you and I were kind of on such different ends of the spectrum. It'd be it'd be interesting absolutely. to see what, hear what people say, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm curious what other people think of this movie. Um, absolutely, absolutely. So, all right, well, I guess that'll do it for this episode of The Obsessive Viewer. Uh, next week, we have on the docket a plan to do our Ebert's Great Movies List series again. Uh, next week, we're going to be covering The Red Shoes from 1948 and uh, The Godfather Part Two from 74. And then uh, Dark City from 98, I think. 
Um, so yeah, so it's an interesting, interesting grouping. So we're going to do that next week and then who knows what we'll do the week after. But, uh, but yeah, I just want to say, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. I'm going to go ahead and start playing us out. Uh, tiny, any parting thoughts for the listeners? Uh, no, nothing to say really. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, once again, thank you guys so much for listening. Check out Patreon, patreon.com slash obsessive viewer and my reviews on obsessiveviewer.com. Uh, yeah. So we'll be back next week and, uh, thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time. And now here's a short clip from our Patreon exclusive RSS feed to hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessive viewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. The other one that was interesting is he was talking about, you know, if there's anything that's, uh, causes you pain or is Mm -hmm. undesirable, you could just like farm your body out to a computer Mm -hmm. program. Like, like for, if you want to like exercising, like I'm lazy and I don't want to exercise and I don't want to do that. Like Mm -hmm. write an exercise program and just upload it into your body and I can go watch stranger things on Netflix. (laughs) God, that would be awesome. And then he talked about the potential for like people to hack, hack your link and Mm -hmm. basically steal your body from you. (laughs) I was like, uh, you're not selling it too well right now. Yeah, not so much. (laughs) Um, but it's just amazing to think if that's even possible and if it is possible what the you know how how it would be uh Mm -hmm. abused or uh exploited or whatever yeah i'm definitely interested in the show that sounds pretty cool yeah oh yeah it it sounds right up your alley um i was was gonna be snarky and say like oh yeah like if you could you could kind of um set things up to where, to where like you can, you can, your body can be doing something, but your consciousness can be doing something else. So like, if you, if there's like something painful that you have to do, like listen to Elon Musk, um, <laughs> you can just do that. <laughs> yeah, he's a weirdo. He He's weird. I don't know. I don't know enough about his eccentricities or anything. I know that like his father yeah. is like in his seventies and it was, re- it was like revealed that he had a baby like recently, with his stepdaughter that he raised from the uh raised raised as a like from childhood i think um so yeah this podcast was edited and produced by matt hurt and presented by obsessiveviewer.com you can find links to all of our shows at obsessiveviewer.com slash podcasts For exclusive bonus content, including reviews, commentaries, and B-roll episodes, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.